You are listening to Bantering the Blue Shirts. This is take three of this week's episode. Believe it or not, we had some bandwidth issues the first time around. We had to redo that. Mike was wildly inappropriate at the beginning of the second attempt, and now we are on our third. So third time is the charm. My name is Joe Fortunato. I am your host. I am joined, as always, by my co-host... Chocolate bar eating Mike Murphy. Oh, that's true. We talked in the first take about chocolate bars. Mike has one of those, you know, those world's finest chocolate bars that you can buy for a dollar they come in a bunch of different flavors ah we did that bit already you guys didn't hear it but we did it um the new york rangers are zero and three. Oh and three this one we have to do again yep is it surprising that jesper fast leads the rangers in points well is that the mark of an zero and three team that is the mark of an zero and three team i mean he's been playing well i mean credit to jesper but uh things have not gone well is a nice, but I don't think, like, they've not, the Rangers haven't played bad. We, you and I talked about how their best game was against the Predators. Uh, Buffalo was a game they really should have done better. And then I don't think anyone knows what the hell happened to poor Georgiev in Carolina. But, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm not really concerned, though, because my, like, a little bit of turbulence like this at the beginning of the year is not at all surprising to me. Like, they were... An up and down team in the preseason. There's a lot of, you know, trying to make Adam McQuaid a first pairing defenseman, and he isn't really even the problem here. But there's just a lot of, a lot of like uh, scrambling around with with the team and a new coach, new system, new defensive zone coverage. Just a lot of little things that all signs point to a team that is going to stumble out of the gate like this, and that's that's what's happened. It is a little surprising that, uh, first of all, what we were talking about on the first take, the best the Rangers looked was against Nashville, which was clear in a way the best team of the three that they played. I thought the Rangers could have easily won that game. They could have lost that game too, and they did, but the officiating was awful. But the Rangers hung with Nashville, and there was this kind of overarching sense of, well, if that's what it's going to be, this year might not be that bad after all. And the Rangers pretty much dominated Buffalo. I don't think it's wrong to think that. The Rangers absolutely should have won that game. They didn't. It was a New York Rangers special. You can take Elaine Vigneault out of the Rangers, but you can't take the Rangers out of uh, dominating a game and somehow not winning. And the worst they looked was against Carolina. And I I think there's going to be a lot of these high-scoring, maybe not 8-5, but 5-4, 4-3 games. And the defense just, it didn't look terrible against Nashville. It didn't look all that bad against Boston. It was absolutely dreadful against the uh, Buffalo. Yeah, Boston. Buffalo, sorry. I did that in my head, too, and I replaced it Take with four. Buffalo somehow. Yeah, to redo the show for the fourth time. Uh, and I thought the Rangers were absolutely at their worst against Carolina. And Georgiev wasn't good in that game either, but the Rangers ran seven defensemen, and not one of them was a solid uh presence up and down. I mean, I think Anthony D'Angelo was probably one of the best defensemen on the ice in that game, and really, that's all I can say in terms of positivity. I think McQuaid was awful, yeah. Stahl was awful. Shea wasn't bad, actually. Shea was good, Shattenkirk too. Shattenkirk got benched. That's fun. Yeah, Shattenkirk only saw eight minutes. We'll get to that. I don't want to get to that right now, uh, but I do want to say Kevin Shattenkirk has zero points in three games, so you have yeah. Faust with three and Shattenkirk with zero. Who could have expected that? Well, D'Angelo had two primary points, or two primary assists, I should say, against. Uh, yeah, Carolina, he was, so. and he looked really good. Like, there's really no reason that he should not be in this lineup. 
I, I think that was really the case out of training camp. So out did of the I. preseason, but um, I feel like he did more to earn the spot than Pionk. And we talked about that. And like Pionk has been. I know, let's address Shattenkirk first because that's what you asked. Uh, yeah, Shattenkirk is. We had a lot of expectations for him. It's like, oh my god, he's got two kneecaps now. Uh, he should be a lot better than he was last season. And even last season, he wasn't really that bad. But it is. He did get held accountable um, by Quinn, which is interesting and important to, to note because he has a long history with Quinn. And it's also good to see. You know, I think a lot of people are encouraged to see that, you know, just kind of, oh, he's, it's equal across the board. It's not just the kids who are getting, you know, the punished by a lack of ice time. But I'm also, I'm one of those, I don't know, I don't pretend to be a hockey coach, Joe. I would like to think, like, you let a guy kind of work through his mistakes. And, like, the part where you address what's going on is more about the matchups and then after the game like get in the video room and talk about what happened as opposed to you know put him on the bench and make him watch in a game like in a what the hell did that game end up being joe the final score is like eight to six or something um eight to five uh, was it eight to five um yeah i thought it was yeah it was eight to five yeah you're right um yeah see like, that that's the I sort of game, the game i would want I would want. I watched the game too. I just forgot. I would. That's the sort well, of game I think Shattenkirk. Would I'm not be totally sure you did because based on the evidence, you didn't even know the final score. I think that's score me, one for. There's thirteen goals in the game. Well, for a time you thought there was fourteen. I rest my case, Your Honor. Do you want me to talk about aphrodisiac foods again? Because we can do that. Start a new show. Oh damn it! Nobody knows what we're talking about now, though. So I it's know. weird. It's perfect. Chocolates and aphrodisiac. That's what brought that up in the first take. Asparagus, by the way. So is asparagus folks. because it's apparently uh, it's apparently uh, suggestively shaped, and it has vitamin B something. It does, and that'll make for aphrodisia. Anywho, um, I, the the reality of the situation, at least from a Shattenkirk standpoint, and I guess we could talk about it now because we're kind of talking about it. I, I there's definitely players that deserve a benching on the defense more than Shattenkirk. I think sure. pretty clearly Stahl has been the abomination that we were worried he was going to be. Yeah. Um, McQuaid has wavered from I don't really notice him to oh my god what happened and oh my god what happened was definitely against Carolina. I don't know if Quinn did it to Shattenkirk because Shattenkirk's a big name veteran on this team and it's a point that nobody's above the law and if that's what it is I support that. So long as this does not become a regular, oh, we're just going to keep throwing Mark Stahl out there and let whatever happens, happens. A few people have speculated maybe Shattenkirk coming off the surgery and, you know, the long off season. They didn't want to run him into the ground on back-to-backs. But if that's the case, just put Tony D'Angelo into the lineup. There's no reason to run seven defensemen, which is what the Rangers did. So yeah. I, it just it feels a little too perfect that the Rangers had seven defensemen and Shattenkirk was taking a seat to maybe there was a conversation behind closed doors like, hey, you're not playing well. And I'm definitely, or maybe after the game, hey, I knew you weren't playing well. You know, I hope this is a shot in the ass for you. And on the back end, Quinn was like, hey, we have D'Angelo. We can put him in the lineup and, and you know, use him as an actual defenseman, which is what happened. And hey, D'Angelo rewarded the Rangers with a, a fantastic performance. 
two points, two assists. I thought he looked really good with the man advantage. I think, um, and I guess we'll get into this in a bit too, Pionk has struggled a lot in these three games. Uh, he's done some good things. I think he's done some some really, I don't know, bad may not be the right word, but he's definitely struggled. And yeah, he's, he's on the bottom end of the Rangers in terms of goals for percentage and, and possession. Yeah, so he is by far and away the worst in relative Corsi. Granted, it's just three games, but he's gotten a yeah. lot of time on ice, and he hasn't really done anything with it. Yeah, well, you tweeted about Bianca, and something I, I quote tweeted about you. It's it's a really simple observation, but I think it's something important to keep in mind because it was also true last year, right after the the trade deadline, and that you know that defense held together by like Elmer's glue and uh, good intentions, is Pionk being paired with Mark Stahl makes it really hard to evaluate what Neil P- what Pionk can do. And that's as true now as it was last year. And arguably, I think it's even more true now because we're trying to get an idea of what he can do to help the team and what, what separates him, per se, from... You know, D'Angelo, what does D'Angelo bring to the table that Pionk doesn't? Because, like, we even saw, you know, Pionk start on the second power play unit and over Brady Shea, which is kind of, you know, that in and of itself is definitely worth scratching your, your head over, right? And the fact that he's at the bottom of the barrel in relative Corsi and that, you know, he's been stuck on the pair with Mark Stahl and that the numbers aren't good and, you know, he's been on the ice for... You know, just not, it's not a good look for his goal differential. Um, right now, he's 0-3 in terms of 5-on-5 five five through three games. Uh, Brett Howden is two goals for, five goals against, but I don't really have any complaints about Howden. Um, and you shouldn't have any. We should have, we're going to have a whole yeah. compliment section for Howden at the end of this show. Yeah, and Kevin Shattenkirk, like Pionk, is also zero goals for at five on five and three goals against at five on five. So that is, you know, that's not it's not what you want to see from Shattenkirk or Pionk. Um, but it is interesting that Shattenkirk was the one who kind of got, you know, the the leash pulled. You know, what I mean, he he was the one to get disciplined, and maybe that that's part of the message that uh, Quinn is trying to send. But we, you know, what Joe, we've also seen him put. Like, put a stamp on the team right away. In that second game, he scratched Nemesnikov uh, in favor of Cody McLeod. And Nemesnikov certainly didn't do anything to, like, earn his spot, you know, or to, or to hold on to his roster spot. But he's definitely been kind of free-falling on the depth chart. And he had, I would say, like a mixed bag of a game in his return to the lineup against Carolina. He had... You know, he picked up a nice assist, but he also just blew a defensive assignment, which I got to say is becoming a bit of a disturbing trend with Nemesnikov uh, that I've noticed is he sometimes gets lost in defensive zone coverage, which is not what I expected to see some from someone who had kind of encouraging possession numbers uh, from what we saw in Tampa Bay, even when he was away from Stamkos and, and Kucherov. Uh, I've not been very happy with him. And I don't really have any issues with Quinn kind of waking him up and rattling his cage. Uh, I don't love the idea of McLeod getting in, into the lineup like he did for one game, but it is what it is. But this the Shattenkirk thing is definitely worth examining and keeping an eye on because he did dress the 7D, 
Tony D'Angelo played really well, and like pretty much everyone had a really bad game um, in terms of the Rangers' D in transition and the defensive game. But uh, you can't pretend that D'Angelo wasn't the best defenseman in terms of what he brought to the table in that third game of the season. Like I said, the two primary assists is pretty good. He made just a bunch of really smart plays, and he got involved late in the game with like a, a little fracas or whatever you want to call it, and that's also kind of what we expect from him. I'm not really counting that as a strike for or against him. It just is kind of something that happened, but you know, he had four penalty minutes, two points, you know, two hits, three giveaways, one takeaway, and a block shot. And he played 17-34. And he really kind of did what we think that Tony D'Angelo can do. He made a difference. Yeah, I, I thought he was really good. And uh, just to kind of jump into some of the things that you were talking about, I don't have an issue with Quinn trying to kind of rally the troops, if you will, and mm-hmm. you know make a, try to make a statement. Nemestikov was obviously not playing that well. It wasn't, Quinn said it wasn't about Nemestikov so much as trying to give Cody McLeod an opportunity because he was so good in preseason. I'm sure the truth lies somewhere between those two things. Obviously, McLeod, yeah, because Nemestikov was bad. I'm sure Quinn didn't want to put him on blast. Um, And McLeod was good in the preseason. And actually, in the one game... Yeah, and the one game that he played against Buffalo, he only had five minutes, a little bit more, on for even strength. But he was easily... He was a 50% possession player. I mean, it's not, you know, there's nothing to shake your head at there. It's not like he was a complete disaster. What I do think, though, that I'm liking out of Quinn is we are seeing these instant adjustments. You know what I mean? It's not taking games to kind of figure this stuff out. Quinn is shaking up the lines. He's trying to figure out what he can. He's inserting guys into the lineup. Uh, Jake Reiser, who was uh, one of the writers at Stanley Cup of Chowder when we brought him on to do the David Quinn extravaganza when the Rangers first hired Quinn, kind of talked to us a little bit about the fact that Quinn doesn't mind going seven defensemen. He gets a little crazy at times, and I, I don't I'm not hating what I'm seeing in terms of, oh, this is how he's going to make his adjustments. He's going to try X or he's going to try Y. And I like that. I, I like him getting a feel for it. Obviously, McLeod is a, playing is a bigger issue. And we haven't really seen an overhaul to the defense. Um, I'm assuming that's going to come on Thursday. The Rangers don't play for close to a week. So uh, I don't know how. I, I think Shattenkirk's going to be out there, obviously. I don't know how Stahl hasn't gotten some type of an axe. Uh, maybe he'll get one for that game. I'm not sure. But like Mike said, there is absolutely no reason. D'Angelo should not be in this lineup. He has been fantastic uh, in the one game that he's played plus the preseason and far more noticeable than Pionk has been. So I think that plays into it a little bit. The Nemestikov thing is something to keep an eye on. Mike, you tweeted it out. If the Rangers do have aspirations to trade him, they need to be very careful with the way that they handle him. Yeah, it's a story I'm working on right now for the banter. A little bit of a teaser there. Yeah, a little bit bit of a teaser. Um, It's... You know, he just signed the two-year deal for four million a year, um, and you know he's not—he's—he's he's 25, and you know he came off of you know his most productive year by by leaps and bounds last season. But we've talked about it a ton of times on the show. It's Kucherov and Stamkos playing with them is going to make you have a good time, and. Joe, you infamously predicted him as being a potentially 25-goal guy. You have since taken that back. 
God bless you. God bless your sweet. Well, I, I need to. I need to throw something in here. I don't. I very rarely utilize this line of thinking, and I think I brought this up in the last podcast. Nemestikov seems somewhat uninterested out there. Just not. He's not engaged the way that I was expecting. Joe, would you say he's playing lazy? Mm, no, because I don't think lazy is a really negative. But Joe. Is he Russian, and you're saying he's... He is Russian, and I am saying he's semi-uninterested. And I I do have to say, I think that he was far more active against Carolina than he was against Nashville. But the Rangers need more out of him. And listen, it it has to be unbelievably difficult to go from a potential Stanley Cup contender to the bottom of the barrel New York Rangers. But uh, Ryan Spooner is not having an issue with it. So And plus, Nemestikov is on the fourth line. But the Rangers need him there. They need him there because they need Jimmy VC at least for now in the top six. And hey, let's talk, talk about, about let's let's talk about Jimmy the dominant VC that we've seen these first three games. He had a pretty big issue finishing, but he he finally potted two of them against Carolina. And listen, if that's the Jimmy VC we're going to get moving forward, I will heel turn faster than I did on Nemestikov no. and be this like, is, listen, this is the this guy is, that. Oh my goodness. This is the guy that we need. But we've seen stints like this from VC before, and it's never been long-term. I don't think Quinn is this wizard who can just snap his fingers and suddenly be the, you know, coach, the college coach whisperer and get more out of VC. I think VC is what VC is. Now, he's had a great first three games, but he's got to keep it up. And he has to finish because against the Rangers could have easily beaten Nashville and Buffalo if he just finished his chances. Yeah, well, the thing with to keep in mind with VC is, like, this is just peak Jimmy VC. He's scoring opportunistic goals. He's also missing chances. He knows the right neighborhood to be in because he's the guy who finishes chances. Like, that's, that's what he's been as an NHL player. And I want to make this clear. There's nothing wrong with that. It's just not the most valuable skill set to have. And... It makes him very much an expendable player in the greater scheme of things here, especially for an organization that is trying to develop its own scoring wingers. Like, make no mistake, VC is not great at creating his own offense. Um, even with you know a, an outstanding game against Carolina in terms of just production, he's he's in the red in terms of the goal differential. Again, we're talking just you know three games here, but he's also you know, not not doing everything he needs to, to, to do, especially in regards to possession. And, you know, I, I just had it up, Joe, and I, I lost it. This is what happens when you ruin the podcast. I didn't ruin anything. Uh, yeah, he's, he's... Oh. Well, that's why it's different, Joe, because I was looking at Natural Stat Trick instead of Corsica. Yes. I told you that. Yeah. I don't know why, maybe our listeners know, why are the numbers always different? For well, it's separate tracking data. I know. But so then, yeah, so we can... Because the, the industry standard, and I get it. Anyway, VC is just below, you know, a clean zero in terms of relative core C4, which is fine. But the thing that is noteworthy to me about, about him and his play is, like, if he didn't have... If he had one goal instead of two would we be kind of as excited about his start as we are? And 
I don't know if he really would be. And the other thing is like, oh, but he could have had so many more goals by now. And he really could have had like... Jimmy VC could very easily have something like four or five goals right now. Uh, turns out he just has the two, which is still really good. Especially, you know, the Rangers have, you know, a nice way to put it is a bunch of guys who are still kind of looking to make their mark in offense. Um, and, as, you know, as we already mentioned, Shattenkirk with zero points is not the sort of start we want to see. But again, it's three games. I'm not worried. I'm not excited about VC. I'm not... I'm not just trying to rain on his parade or anything like that, but he is shooting 18.2%, Joe. And uh... the, the, the VC situation is an interesting one because in my notes after the game against Nashville, I kind of made VC a pro and a con. He was a pro because he was playing, he was active, he, things were happening, he was getting opportunities and you know banging away at rebounds and all the things that VC's really good at. The con was that he didn't finish. And if VC's going to play on the second line, he has to finish. And he's on the second line because he can't really go on to the fourth line. Even with Nemestikov, you would have to put Nemestikov at center and then VC and Fast on the wings, right? And then you'd have to figure out where everybody else goes. And you're kind of moving centers around. And are you keeping Heedle as a center in that situation? You know, who, what are you doing with Howden? And there's just a lot there. So it's easier for VC to be on that second line and just yeah, kind of let everything fall down. But if he's going to be there, he has to finish. Mm. Yeah, so if he doesn't finish, nice. yeah. yeah, if he doesn't finish, he's not doing what the Rangers need him to do. And again, not a not a knock on VC. VC is a great depth player. It, it's just that there's I think there's a lot of people who genuinely believe VC is a potential forty goal scorer, and he's not. He's just not. No, no, no. I don't want to make this clear. I feel like I almost came down too hard on VC. Oh, like Mike VC is, is Mike done. is backtracking a little bit now. He feels no, but I feel like because I feel like Nemesnikov has been a, a dramatic disappointment, whereas VC is just he's VC. It's it's fine. He's playing right now. He's playing towards. Like, approaching what is the upper end of really the sort of form we want to see from him. He's doing what he has to do. More chances are going to come. He's going to finish more chances. And he's going to finish the year approaching 20 goals. That's what he is. Yeah. It's fine. Yeah, I think it's totally fine. Especially on a team where, you know, some of the guys are still searching for, you know, points. Anything? Yeah, searching for chances. I mean, Booch has been... I think Buchnevich has been one of the Rangers' best players. I'm a think he might be the best player. It's thus far. very possible. He's, Two goals. He's had a couple of grade A setups that have not been finished. He was unbelievable in the preseason, like truly monsterish in the preseason. And so far, he has the two goals, like you said. Um, and you know, he is also. I think he has two goals and six shots. But it's the plays that he's making to create the offense that separates him from VC to me. It's he's. He's doing the sort of things that make the difference in terms of generating those chances, and he's doing it uh, despite seeing through three games a little bit less ice time than VC has. Well, there are there are different types of goal scorers, and there's different types of of offense creation. And VC does not create offense. VC no. finishes. VC is not a sniper. VC is a dirty goal scorer. He's around the net. He's banging home rebounds. VC is not somebody who's going to drive into the zone with the puck, you know, dish it off to somebody for a great goal. That's not his bread and butter. His bread and butter is literally sitting in front of the net. 
and then just you know just finishing whatever comes around maybe getting like his second goal against Carolina he finished a beautiful pass and the net was wide open that's what Jimmy VC is Pavel Buchnevich is a creator right he's like an architect he moves the puck around he sets guys up he can score on his own he's somebody you want with the puck when he's entering the zone there's not a ton of those guys on the Rangers like Kreider is probably more of a finisher than he is a, a creator the reason the difference between Kreider and VC is Kreider's really fast and a really good goal scorer. So and Kreider can take the puck in the neutral passer, zone, right, and then drive past somebody and create his own breakaway. Um, Zabanajad, I think, is kind of a dual threat. He creates his own offense. Yeah, uh, Hedl looks like he can create his own offense. It's amazing, and that's actually he great. Looks like, yeah, he looks like he can create offense for the people around him. He's the sort of guy but who the, makes the players around him better. The generic response was, oh, Hayes and Zuccarello can feed VC and he'll be scoring all day. No, that's not... VC doesn't operate that way. No. Zuccarello needs a finisher. Yeah, he needs Hayes someone who is, has a shot like as a Ben Jad. He needs right, or even Hayes. Hayes works well on that line because of it. And, and VC may succeed and has succeeded by just existing in their atmosphere of, hey, we'll create the offense and, you know, you clean up the mess. That's worked for them to this point. But you need to be careful about the way that you, you just look and you sort by goals and you say, oh, VC scores maybe 20 goals. He'll fit with anybody. That's not – it has to work. It's the same way that, you know, Gabrick and Richards and Nash all didn't work together because they're three – all three of them needed the puck to be successful. Yeah, they're all great And players, Zuccarello doesn't, doesn't want the puck on his stick for more than a second. Hayes has the puck on his stick forever. And VC really doesn't need the puck on his stick at all. So they do kind of work. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, I mean – I don't. I don't think that's a problem. I just VC needs to be a little bit more. There needs to be a little bit more finish with VC, and we got it against Carolina. And like I said, there have been strings of games like this for him before, where he's looked like a player that's special. But far more often, they're followed by you know streaks of lineup? yeah, not being that good. So, Mike KZB Buchnevich clearly the best of the bunch. I. Until Carolina, I didn't really notice Kreider. Like, Kreider was bad against Nashville. I think he was whatever against Buffalo. Zibanejad only has one assist through three games. I mean, Buchnevich is carrying that line right now. What are your th- thoughts there? Quinn, keep it together? Break it up? Is it too early to be talking about this? It's too early. Um, Don't tell me it's too early on my goddamn podcast. It's our podcast. Don't say that. On our podcast. That's so rude. Uh... Yeah, I'm not. I'm not too worried. I feel like KZB is. We already know it works. That's the thing here, and I don't. I wouldn't mind Quinn shaking things up. The problem is, I don't want him to shake things up by throwing VC on the first line, or doing something like if he wants to shake it up by throwing Heedle up there, and just like, oh, let's give a kid, you know, and really, who are the kids in the lineup now? The the guys we can actually call kids. You know, it's it's Heedle and. Howden and Latieri. Do we want Howden in the top six? No. Like, all right, well. I don't, well, can we just hit the timeout button for a second there? Timeout you. Howden's look goddamn good. He's looked good. Like. That, yeah, possession numbers aren't great, but he's doing everything he needs to do. He's goddamn done. good. His, you know, face-off has been fine. He's been winning a lot of face-offs. He's putting up points. He's creating a lot of offense. You're right. His possession numbers aren't. Um, Very bad. Brett Howden's possession numbers are really good. What does natural stat trick have? Oh, hold on, folks. Don't everyone 
Insert. In fact, okay. I didn't think they were this good. He is like one of the leaders in possession. It's oh. Shea and it's Howden. And then Shattenkirk, actually, ironically enough. Oh, yeah. I was wrong. Did, was did you have the him. columns sorted the wrong way? I maybe did. Well, regardless of Mike's foolishness, Howden yeah, has I, been... I was, I was about to say, Howden, like, he's impressed me because his... He's been, like I was going to say, I don't understand why the possession numbers aren't good because the eye test for him has been great. He has two primary points. And the thing that stands out to me is he's really, I've noticed him in all every game so far, which is important to me because he's only getting 13 minutes of ice time a game. And when you're like, when you're a kid like him, this is his first taste of NHL action ever. Remember, you know, this is a really young player and... He's 20. He he didn't. We weren't expecting him to make it in the lineup, let alone end up being you know the fourth line center right now. And he's doing all these little things that are really really promising. And with each game, he's actually gotten a little more ice time. And I'm sure everyone has stopped listening to me when I when I mixed up his possession numbers with Hayes's. But I know. Bear with me, folks. I had chocolate. But he's been so good that he kind of looks like Hayes. We kind of expected Hayes to look like. Yeah, he's been. He's been really, really good, and uh, like you said, he's like he's approaching. He's just shy of fifty-nine percent on the on faceoffs. I thought kids weren't supposed to be good at faceoff shots. He's what well, I, I did not expect him to be this good, and I, I think it is kind of changing the discussion about necessarily what the like. He got power play one minutes against the Carolina. I like Brett Howden. I liked Brett Howden. I remember Quinn is using him like this is yeah. uh, this is far more interesting than I thought it was going to be. I agree. Because, that's where I was going. Uh, with that. And that's the other problem that Howden is involved with right now is that the man ahead of him on the depth chart is Heedle, yeah, and Heedle looks just out of this world good. And that's but that this goes back to what I was saying before is I'd rather if you shake up that KZB, which is how we got here. Like Howden is great, but I would love to keep him in that bottom six role to like not to set like the the sky as his ceiling and, and like i also think you can reward him and he has been rewarded by getting more ice time and getting you know a taste of the power play and all that stuff is good right that's all part of the process and building the confidence of a young player but if you want to shake up that first line i feel like the big picture thing to do is heedle just throw him up there and you know I because I'd rather see the whole point is I'd rather see him in, in that spot than VC move up to the first line because like you I'm I don't want VC on the second line let alone the first line but yeah I everything we've seen from Howden has been exceeding expectations and good news and you know we were all kind of we were all really kind of hoping that he was going to be a guy who we all knew he would be an NHL player and you know we talked a lot in the summer about oh what's the ceiling and you know, lead, heading into camp, he had such a good tra- performance at Traverse City. He he was really noticeable. He had a very good preseason. He had a great camp, and to see him have this sort of start with two primary points in his first three games, playing as a fourth line center, is not much more you can ask from a kid. Oh, you know what it was, Joe? I just remembered what it was. It was the tell me. How- it was the goal differential. That's what I got wrong. Oh, you were looking. Well, he is a, and I yeah. hate using this statistic. No, he was it, a minus a, three. So it's it, goal differential is nothing without the context around it. You have to right. understand the circumstance of it. Like if you look at the four, like fourth liners throughout the league, 
no one's going to have a good goal differential unless you're on a team that has like the best fourth line in the world. When the fourth line is out there, things are not always going to go well because it's another. It's very important to remember. Well, who is Howden playing on with on the fourth line? So you know, one night it was Cody McLeod, another night you know it's it's Letary and and uh, Nemestikov, and you know it's it's not quite it's not quite the same as being you know on the ice with guys like Zuccarello and and Zibanejad. Right, it's it's a good it's a good barometer for if a guy has really terrible possession numbers, say, but his his goal for percentage is great. You would utilize that and say, okay, he you know his shots are coming from the outside; they're not coming in dangerous mm-hmm. areas. I mean, there's other variables too. Maybe Henrik Lundqvist is just standing on his head while whoever this mystery player is on the ice. But the reality of the situation is. Howden has been easily one of the biggest bright spots for the New York Rangers. And I think oh, that's absolutely. saying something. And that's the good. Rangers are getting a lot out of him. Quinn is using him the way that we would want. I, I, I haven't – nothing has happened. Even McLeod going into the lineup, and I meant to talk about this sooner, but I'll, I'll really bring it up now. Even with McLeod going into the lineup, it didn't come at the expense of a kid. It came at the expense of Nemestikov. So from a development standpoint – the players you want are playing good minutes. They're getting good roles. I mean, what else can you ask for from Quinn at this point? Asparagus, I guess. Oh, yeah, because it's suggestive. But really, what else? You, you can't ask for anything. I think I he's know. been. I think he's done everything we've wanted him to do. I don't know. It's way early. I, I am. I've seen a lot, and I've seen it a lot from you, Mister. And you know, I love you to bits. But everyone is very quick to celebrate Quinn and, you know, the process and all that. But, like, it's early. It's really. It's it, really it is 100% early. And that's kind of been a, an argument there've that people. There have also been some signs of, like, oh, maybe, you know, like, did he do a good job kind of settling the team down when things were falling to shit against uh, Carolina? And, you know. I, by the way, I completely support and am with the, you, you leave Yorgiev in there. You have to. Oh, 100%. percent you do not You don't waste Lundqvist. It's the, right, it's the right thing to do. It's the right thing to let a young goalie experience that, especially, like, he, he's not completely green. He's, you know, let him work through it, let the defense work through it. But the whole idea of, like, you know, it's, there have been a couple of moments where it's like, okay, benching Shattenkirk, like that much to me is like oh that was surprising not necessarily a negative but there are a lot of little things where I'm like okay I'm not I'm not building like a paper mache head of David Quinn and making a little shrine in my room just yet I, we're not there yet it's uh no but but I I have to say my response to that is you're three games into the season yeah. there have been multiple opportunities especially at zero and three for absolutely panic results and we haven't gotten it. So, from the three games that I've had to judge him, he didn't insert Cody McLeod in the lineup for a kid. Yes, he's not playing D'Angelo. I think that's a much bigger issue. He, he finally got him into the lineup as a seventh defenseman. I think we're going to have a really good idea on Thursday of what that means because I doubt he's going seven defensemen again. But I will celebrate the little victories right now because we were not getting them under the previous regime. Joker and then, uh, I, I, You know who hurt me. I like Quinn using his timeout and blasting into the team. I, I, I think Quinn is, at this point, everything that you could ask of Quinn, you've gotten. Now, uh, the 
judgment on Quinn will continue to evolve as the team goes from a rebuilder back into contention. But for right now, for what we're dealing with, I I have no complaints. I didn't want McLeod in the lineup. He played for Nemestikov. Fine, I can I can swallow that. That's not an issue. I have seen the Rangers make some adjustments. There's still a lot of confusion as the Rangers go from the man-to-man to the zone defense, and that's to be expected. But I think we should celebrate the little victories at the very least while we can. But again, I would have we would have looked at AV putting McLeod into the lineup and with our hands up and screaming, oh my God, how could this happen? That's absolutely true. But probably because he would have come into the lineup for Heedle. And that's a problem. The fact that he's and there that did not happen. A problem. It's a, it's yeah, but that now who do you blame that on? Because that's the next argument. Do you blame Gordon or do you blame Quinn? I think you because I blame, blame both of them. I blame Quinn for using him, but at some point the general manager needs to realize this guy no, doesn't need to be in both. the lineup. It's first of all, it's a question of do we need to blame rather than understand? Like understanding the decision is more important than blaming it, right? And. That is to me is even at the uh, the town hall event. They, you know, Gorton explained that, you know, as a GM, he has a lot more say in what the lineup looks like than, you know, we may have seen ten or twenty years ago or whatever the hell. And you really get that impression, especially with elements like McLeod, and because we heard, you know, we heard the Rangers talk about, yeah, we want a guy to protect the kids, and Gorton believes that, and. That is that is all what it is, and that's a philosophy question. And rather than, it's a lot more difficult to wrap your head around because it's all intangible stuff, right? It's and a, a perfect example of this, Joe, is uh, Cody McLeod on the team, Filipino headshot. Like, uh, is this a lesson anyone will ever learn? Well, yeah, enforcers don't deter anything. It just doesn't, like, uh... And that's the other thing, and not to get into this, McLeod yeah. isn't even a good enforcer. No, he's 34. I think he, but he that's not... Forget his age. He's not even a good enforcer. He's no. not even a good fighter. No, but that's my point, is I, he... Up until, like, the past couple of seasons, excluding the most recent season... Uh, when he was not really a mainstay in Nashville's lineup before becoming a Ranger, like he was the most prolific fighter, meaning he had the most fights for a couple of years. And I only know that because I wrote a piece about how the Rangers' fighting trend was down. And then, literally, like three days later, the Rangers picked McLeod up. Uh, so it was just like, oh, okay. But it is. I feel like it's if with him. It's a case of he's 34 guys in that role I feel like burnout fast and he's been around a really long time for a modern day kind of enforcer and I feel like I don't like to even it's not my favorite thing to do in the world to be like yeah he can't fight well because like I'm not very pro fighting in general I understand why it happens when emotions flare up I hate stage fighting more than anything else but I I just don't understand what you're trying to accomplish that you can't accomplish with like turning in a great shift and hustling to beat out nicing or you know a nice clean big hit or whatever the hell rather than stopping the game to have a bare knuckle boxing match but i know um there's plenty of people who strongly disagree with me and that's absolutely fine but mcleod is the thing that stands out to me is he's he's been in so many fights over his career that i'm not sure he is effective in that role and i think that's relevant because i'm not sure players around the league who might be tough like a tough guy in their lineup 
look at him with any reverence or fear. Um, you know, well, it's clear if, there's not even a punishment coming. Yeah, and that's the I don't know. Like, it is it is really frustrating though because you have to ask yourself like, is there a way to address what happens on the ice without resorting to an enforcer role? And what does that look like, right? Does the game need to be policed by players? And very recently, it's kind of relevant. I don't know if we, we touched on this, but Tom Wilson got, you know, a 20-game suspension. And that is... Deservedly so. And that is really significant because he is a repeat offender. And the hit in question, it wasn't even, like, on the top five dirtiest plays of his career. But it was an effort by the NHL to say, listen, enough is enough. It's time for you to get a message sent to you. And that 20-game suspension is going to cost him a million dollars in salary. And I think that's more important, really, than that's the best deterrent there is. And the problem is, like, up until now, it's been very hard to trust the process because guys would get just, you know, a little slap on the wrist and they'd be back out on the ice after a couple games for, you know, blowing someone up or, you know, ending someone's career. Like, you know, we every every once in a while, Joe, I look at, like, the Rangers roster and I look back at, you know, especially the evolution of the defense and Mike Sauer every time. It just makes you shake your head what could have happened. Yeah, imagine Sauer. it would have been very different and there's no use crying over spilled milk, but... Yeah. It's just a shame, though. It uh, really it's an, well, it's a shame from like a human standpoint because yeah. he—I I don't think he can live like a normal life, as far as we know. But also the fact that the Rangers lost a very good defenseman um, who could have definitely been the difference maker on those teams. Uh, I don't know how old he is now. I'm not sure he would be helpful now. But uh, yeah, definitely one of the sadder things that had occurred. I, I just—the I, Rangers as a whole, I think, have done. A lot of really good things these first three games. I think they've done a lot of expected things, which are bad, but things that we expected. And I'm not shocked the Rangers are 0-3. I'm a little surprised about a few things, but I think some of the questions are going to get into that. So I don't want to go too deep into it. Mike, did we miss anything? Anything else you want to talk about before we get into the questions? Uh, No, we talked about Booch being good. I didn't mean to go on a whole tangent there with the role of the enforcer, but it is kind of relevant, especially when we examine you know, Quinn's philosophy and stuff. But, uh, yeah, like, you know, like we said, there was no alarming surprises. We knew the defense was going to be really bad, right? But at the same time, it's been, I feel like it's going to be important for this team to just kind of forget about what happened in Carolina, right? And you've said it a couple times in the show already is let's see what the Rangers look like on Thursday. And that's, that's what I really want to see specifically out of Quinn is kind of that, returning from adversity, returning from a game where things just kind of absolutely spiraled out of control. And that's what I'd like to see happen. I'd like to see a nice thing happen. Well, there you go. Questions. Michael Silver's asked two questions. We'll allow him to do both of them. Well, he's uh, a patron. He gets to do what he wants. Yeah, he is a patron. Patreon.com slash banter. What are the most encouraging signs that you've seen from both players and coaches despite the 0-3 record? Sour is 31, by the way, Joe. Oh, he is? Well, he's younger than I thought he was. How many yeah. years ago did he get hurt? Uh, his last NHL action was 2011-2012. Wow. Time goes fast, man. I was Time just out of college back then. Ah, uh, the good old days. Think about how much asparagus you've eaten. No, the, over the, I love asparagus. There's some great asparagus recipes out there. A little salt, pepper, garlic powder, if you want to be Ooh. really simple. 
little heavy cream and Parmesan cheese if you want to be a little fancy. Hoof. Look at you. Fancy boy. It's great. You Michael could... Silver's question. Uh, I had one more recipe that I was going to give out, but you've ruined that. Well, I don't want to keep him waiting. He's a good boy. What are the encouraging signs you've seen, Michael? Uh, my biggest thing is the kids. Because my whole... I've said this before and I've already written it a bunch. Is I just want this to be a year for evaluation for guys who are can be a part of like long term specifically guys like Kevin Hayes and figuring out what the hell happens with his contract but also development and if we're looking at the kids like Lettieri has been fine um, he's not he's not the most important prospect in the organization by a long shot uh, you know D'Angelo just one game that's fine Pionk is maybe the biggest like letdown but again He's stapled at the hip to Mark Stahl, and it's important not to hold that against him. That doesn't give him just like a clean, you know, excuse, and we just have to ignore what the analytics say on him. But it is important to be like, okay, well, the context of it, what's going on? And Howden and Heedle have been absolutely great. And Booch, I know, is not a prospect anymore, but he's a young player who's going to be a part of this team and a big contributor when they're rebounding from the rebuild has been fantastic so i like it a lot oh you know and you can say your gift has had a you know just a dog shit game but that is what it yeah is. it was his only game but a dog a dog shit game nonetheless um i'm gonna i'll be i'll be the you know decisive i think i liked what i've seen out of quinn through the first three games despite the rangers being 0-3 um, I think Lundqvist has looked really good. There was a lot of concern about that from the preseason. We didn't really talk about him. He was spectacular both against Buffalo and Nashville. He's already made like eight highlight reels. Eight saves. million high he's, danger saves. He's fine. Everything's uh, fine. Shattenkirk is a concern. Not a panic, yeah. but just, hey, he's not playing well. And I think that's important. Hayes has not been as good as I expected, but again, not bad. Just he's been Kevin Hayes. Hedl, Buchnevich, really, really good. Howden, exceptionally good. D'Angelo, very good. Pionk, yeah, kind of a disappointment. So that's where I am on that. Michael Silvers again. Would you have preferred Shattenkirk to have been scratched versus Carolina as more of a precautionary measure instead of getting eight minutes? Time on ice, which could have gone to someone else, and you can keep the 12-6, 12 forward, six defensemen. How would you approach back-to-backs moving forward? Uh, did we figure is Shattenkirk? Did he get that little time because he was hurt, or because he was? It was a precautionary measure because I feel like if that was the result, they just would have not played him. Yeah, I didn't hear anything specific. Neither did I. I wonder if Mike is kind of inferring. Um, I would have definitely benched him, like healthy scratched him, and played you know regular twelve and six lineup. I don't think that would have been damaging at all. Um, you know. I think we, we kind of forget the fact that D'Angelo came in for uh, Letary and we didn't really talk about him at all, but he's, eh, you know, it's hard to make an impression on the fourth line. I get it. But uh, I think back-to-backs moving forward, if, if you have to, I don't know how long the Rangers are going to keep up eight defensemen because Clayson has to get into the lineup eventually. I, like, w- what's the benefit of having all eight of them up here? Honestly, what what happens? And right now, the only outcome that I can see occurring that, that kind of solves everything is, oh, Pionk isn't playing well, we'll put him down to the minors because he's not, he's waiver exempt. But that's the only thing that I can think of. So I just, 
I don't know what the solution on the defense is going to be, but moving forward, it, listen, the eight, the Rangers didn't lose because they ran seven defensemen. And if you're yeah. going to do it with anyone, you may as well no, have D'Angelo because he can kind of float it in as one of those offensive forwards. But I think D'Angelo has been good enough that he doesn't need the, the kind of charade of being the seventh defenseman. I have a question for you in the middle of our question. I, I have an answer. Oh. Do we see Frederick Clayson soon, Joe? I, I don't know. Where do you, cause where do you put him? Who are you taking out? I have no idea. If if it was this difficult to get D'Angelo into the lineup. After w- the preseason that he had. Yeah. Right. What then what happens? You know what I mean? If it was this hard to get D'Angelo into the lineup, who are you taking out now? To get Clayson in. Are you taking out Pionk and you're running seven defensemen again? Also, you know what? There is something I blame Quinn for is McQuaid on the first pair. Oh, we can... we 100 million percent. There is this McQuaid-Stall thing seems to continue to be, oh, we can't... That we you know we can't avoid this. What are we supposed to do? And, and McQuaid wasn't terrible against Nashville. McQuaid is not a top pair defenseman. No, and he hasn't even been like he hasn't been a disaster by any stretch of the imagination. He's been like fine in terms of what we expect from him. the The issue here is that you know he is still he is what he is, and like I feel like that's there's maybe what's so important to me is there could be a missed opportunity to find something else that works like right now McQuaid is you know north of he's 2.1 uh 2.11 relative Corsi 4 I keep looking at natural statric when I should look at Corsica um and that's you know that's encouraging but I think it's really important to point out that very very quietly Joe Brady Shea has been very good and yeah, that's, and that's that's, uh, that's another thing that that's big to be that we could definitely talk about that contract. And again, we're three days deep. It's he's been exactly what the Rangers have wanted him to be. So he doing good. Brady but yeah, so we good? you want to? But let me ask you this question, Happy Mike. Brady Shea. Let let me let me throw you the devil's advocate on the Quinn criticism that you just I knew you'd be the devil. lobbed out there, you son You've of a bitch. Um, you move McQuaid off the top pair. Who's your top pair? I don't get paid enough for those sort of decisions. Who is the top pair? Are you going Shea Shattenkirk? Because that's what I would do. That's probably what I would do. All right. And I, you, you go Shea Shattenkirk. Now what do you do? Well, then you have to do... Well, listen. I don't pretend to know, Joe. I'm just like... Well, I'm just... I'm not I'm not trying to put no, you on the spot. I'm no, saying... I, I appreciate that. Like Your lack of an head, answer is why this is so hard. I know that. Because it's Stall McQuaid... D'Angelo, Pionk. I would do, honestly, I would do second pair. I would do. Smith would have to be there, right? I would do Smith and almost certainly D'Angelo at this point. Okay. Because I'm crazy like that. I don't don't think that's stupid. I would have Stahl McQuaid as the third pair. That doesn't matter. I would almost do, I would definitely do Pionk McQuaid. But you're, like, as difficult as it is to figure out what Pionk is with Stahl, you're not going to figure that out any quicker with McQuaid. Or if Pionk is the seventh D, or if he's in Hartford. right, and Clay, you know, Clayson is still Clayson. I'm just have, saying it's difficult. Have, it's easier to separate Shea and Shattenkirk. Yeah, I, I'm just to be clear. I was picking a realistic pairing in terms of the thing, like the right thing to do would be to scratch Mark Stahl at this point. Scratch Mark Stahl over McQuaid, frankly, because McQuaid hasn't played 
in a way to suggest that he should be scratched. Uh, whereas I feel like Mark Stahl has. It, just in terms of the eye test, I feel like Stahl's been the worst D. Uh, Pianca's not too far behind him, but the difference here is that there's a future with Neil Pionk on this, in, for this team, and that is not really true of Mark Stahl after his contract expires. It's, yeah, uh, I think that's very fair. He's a lame duck. Um, that is what it is. Matthias Pietroskiski? I don't know. I don't, I don't even Apologies. know where to go. Your name but, sounds lovely. I, I wish Joe could pronounce it. Yes, I wish I could speak just general English. Um, thoughts about New York Rangers playing 7D? We kind of said that. Uh, seems like they all got decent minutes against the Hurricanes, except for Shaddy. It might be the only way for both Pionk and D'Angelo to be able to get playing time since they ain't going to sit Stahl or McQuaid. The last point, Mike. Do you think the only way to get Pionk and D'Angelo into the lineup, barring injury, is to go seven defensemen? It's not the only way. It's probably the most realistic way under Quinn, knowing what we do about him from uh, from Jake and and the way he, you know, kind of does what he wants. But I feel like there has to be pressure from their front office. Like I, I feel like it, it would. It feels weird to me, Joe. I feel like this is just kind of like a. a just like a like a clickbait of a statement but like I feel like it's more likely we'll see Shattenkirk scratched than Mark Stahl and the reason I mean, we, I we've s- already kind of seen Shattenkirk get yeah, the, the and, hook but, that's, but I mean like truly scratched in a manner which would allow both Pionk and D'Angelo to be in the lineup and to play significant minutes because Mark Stahl has been a very good soldier for this organization He's been through a lot. He's been here a very long time. Uh, you know, it's it's him and Hank in, in terms of who's been here the longest. And I don't think he still has two years left on his contract after this year, which is not great, but it is what it is. That's what happens when you sign a defenseman to not a good contract. And that is very disappointing that that's the case. But I also feel like he's kind of... He's kind of not going to leave the lineup unless he really forces the organization's hand. And we've seen him play a lot worse than this and stick around. But then again, we have a new coach, so I don't know. I don't know, Joe. I don't know either, Michael. Denmonic, what are the odds Chris Kreider is one of the sell-offs at the deadline this year? Oof. That's a great question. That is a good one. I would say 35%. Whoa! Not just just enough that there's a chance that it happens, but not enough that it's likely. I'm going to say it's 36%. Okay, you're a son of a bitch. Kyle Brandau, do you think that running seven defensemen will be a long-term strategy going forward? I like that it gives both time to D'Angelo and Pionk, but I'd really like it if they just took out either Stoll or McQuaid at this point, even though they probably won't. Mm. I cannot imagine, especially when Bolesky gets back, that running seven defensemen is going to be a regular occurrence. No, I don't think so. I, 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 I just I wanna, it's too complicated. I want to go back for just a second and give more of an answer to that Kreider question because it was such a good question. Um, it is it is very interesting that he was named an alternate captain. I think that's a, a positive sign towards where he is. He's twenty seven. He's got this year and next year left on his deal, and then he's a UFA. The other thing about Kreider is that he is definitely an attractive 
asset at the deadline. Like, would garner a ton of things. Yeah, he would be... Like, I, I know I've said it a hundred times, I'll say it a hundred times more. A team like Edmonton, you know, a team like even, you know, Calgary or Winnipeg, someone who wants to add some more depth, some speed, a guy who can play tough. Kreider checks off so many boxes. He's so appealing. You know, he's proven that, you know, he's the sort of guy you get the feeling like, oh, he's just, he's just the right line mates away from being like a 35 goal scorer. You know what I mean? Um, and I'm not saying that's exactly the case for him, but I feel like he gives off that perception. I feel like that's the, the profile he has right now. And because of that, the Rangers would be stupid not to listen to offers. I don't think that means he's more likely than not to be traded, especially because Zuccarello is a pending UFA, and we have to know what happens with Hayes. But like, I feel like if Hayes signs an extension, the odds of Kreider being moved go up. Um, yeah, you got to make room somehow. And yeah. and but I don't know. I don't, who do you think gets more at the deadline, Kreider or Hayes? Probably Kreider, I guess, because he signed Kreider for another year. Yeah, Kreider because he signed for another year. But on that I mean, sweet, se- sweet contract. Yeah, that's sweet, sweet-ass contract. But then again, Hayes is a center, and teams always pay a little extra for centers. It's Their thing is, if the Rangers move all three of those guys, Zook, Kreider, and Hayes, they're going to bring back... Like, if you thought this past year's draft was fun... Yeah, wait till that one. Yeah, that'll be numerous first-round picks in coming back. Numero uno picos. Um, anyway, I just wanted to touch on that. What was the, the question... Uh, well, do you think running seven defensemen will be a long-term strategy? Probably not. The short answer is probably not. And the an- like the reason for that is it's unconventional. It's you have to kind of justify it. I think the strongest thing, you know, that would lend that to a reality or make that happen is the fact that, like we said, like when the hell do we see Frederick Clayson? The Rangers are carrying the eight D, and so that is kind of surprising they also really should be playing d'angelo they can't not be doing it but i'm worried that's just that's just what's going to happen here is they'll choose to scratch d'angelo instead of adam mcquade which just makes the adam mcquade trade more frustrating and stall contract and whatever and whatever but the mcquade the reason we grumble about mcquade more often especially on twitter i think is because like he didn't need to be here yeah, he, that's yeah. He just didn't need to be here. Um, he hasn't done anything wrong while he's been here, but he didn't need f- to be here. I mean, I got news for you. I will scorch the earth if D'Angelo is scratched against scorch the earth on Thursday. I will uh, against salt, San Jose. Will you salt the earth too, so crops can't grow. No, because we need because crops you, to eat, but Michael. If, you, if scorch the earth, that'll put more nutrients into the soil. Trap. Jamie Bussold. Hey, guys, keep up the good work. We love you, Jamie. You always compliment us. Jamie. Do you think Zook looks a step slower this year, and do you think with the start we've had, at some point some of the players like Shaddy or Smith will become available? I think Smith is available right now. I think there's a little bit of discussion that I wasn't prepared for that Shattenkirk may be available. Yeah, Shattenkirk is definitely interesting. He is is a 10-team no-trade list. Um, for this year and next year. I'm just looking at this now on Cap Friendly so that I'm accurate. Um, and in his third season, he has an eight-team no-trade list. So it's a modified no-trade and a no-movement. So he can't, you can't stash him in the HL, which would never happen anyway. But he is 
he is a super attractive asset to trade if you can trade him. The bottom line, especially with the trade the main the Rangers made for McQuaid, is like Shaq Kirk's really fun. He wants to be here. He loves the Rangers. The front office loves him. But he was the biggest free agent signing of the offseason before the Rangers figured out they have to blow this up. He's kind of like this, uh, like this. You, you remodeled your whole house and you have one bathroom where, like, the tiles in it look like they're from 1965. Like, it, it doesn't fit. What um, do you do with that? Can't do anything with it. And there's a bunch of te- There's a bunch of friends you have who are all like, "I'd give anything to have those tiles from 1965." Hmm. And you're like, "Well, he does only have the one knee." But yeah, it's. It's really tricky with Shaddy. I feel like if you can move him, you kind of have to, right? It's especially because of this logjam and because you also have, you know, some kids who they might not be ready this year, guys like Libor, but they can be ready next year. And that's not pressuring them to be ready next year, but you can definitely find some guys to plug in there. And Mark Stahl is a pain in the ass to get rid of. Uh, Brennan Smith, I feel like, he still has to do. He still has to do a lot more work, I think, to kind of just rebuild his reputation. I feel like we'll have a much better idea of what's going on after 20 games or so. But again, he's a guy who can play the right side and the left side. He can skate. He's physical, and he's has a 4.35 million cap hit. There are teams out there that will want that. Uh, it would be nothing but a huge win if the Rangers went from demoting him to Hartford and putting him on waivers last year to letting him rebuild his reputation, work himself up to an NHL player again, and then trading him this year. That would be a slam dunk of a win. Uh, but it wouldn't be surprising to me if one of those two guys goes, Joe, because... I mean, if you could do it, yeah. yeah. And I, I'm also, not just not McQuaid totally sure that, yeah. that that's something the Rangers are going to be able to do. But I agree with you. I wouldn't be shocked if it, if it happened. If the opportunity is there, you have to look into yeah, it. Yeah, you have to take listens on everything. You have to. Nancyl Gata. Sorry if I got your name wrong. Why isn't Mark Stahl rested more, especially when two games are back to back? I know beginning of the season. I don't know if, and that's the other thing. We're talking about Shattenkirk. He's in Shattenkirk's twenty nine. He could handle the back to back. You're doing the whole Mark Stahl thing, and, and I just, I don't necessarily think that running Mark Stahl like that helps anything. You know what I mean? Yeah, he's two years. If you're going to go down that road, if that's the point that you're going to make, that, hey, listen, the reason that we have him here like this is because we need to we need to make sure that he's rested. Well, don't you think resting Stahl is more important than resting Shattenkirk? I do, Joe. So do I. You know the answer. I also to want to point questions. out Shattenkirk is, you know, he has – He's played three games now. He played a couple games in the preseason, but those those games in the preseason were his first like real hockey games in half a year. Like, yeah, I'm not surprised he looked rusty and kind of crappy. Yeah, not I, I agree, all. and I don't think Quinn should be either. So, and that's why I think there may have been like a a wink wink conversation between the two of them. Yeah, a little winkity wink wink. Little winkity wink. James Dangles. James Dangles. I'm concerned Stall won't be scratched in favor of. Pion Clayson or Anthony D'Angelo because of the A be. on his sweater. Quinn was quoted as saying Mark Stahl will be the alternate captain for all 82 games. He's been a liability in all three games and previously. I would 100% agree with that. Stahl's the de facto captain right now. Period. End of story. So. Hank. Well. But yes, I agree with you, Jim. I, I just, I don't think. 
Jim I, I think that's a concern. Uh, fiscal Jesus. Well said, by the way, Dangles. That's like a the fact that Stahl has that level of prestige. That's why I was saying Shattenkirk's more likely to be sitting in the press box than Stahl is because he carries this kind of intangible, like intangible weight and value to the team. He's he's not quite the face of the franchise, obviously, but he is just kind of this. He has a lot of reverence around him. Um, and a lot of respect that, like, I'm not saying he doesn't deserve those things. I just think those things don't necessarily matter when you're trying to rebuild. Uh, like, they don't matter even a little bit. Yeah, yeah. I, I agree with that. Um, next question. Hmm? Updates on the play of all the rookies still with the team. Who's looked the best? Who do you think is more to show? Wow. Uh, I mean, Pionk is more to show. D'Angelo's played Georgiev. well. Georgiev is more to yeah, show. Go, yeah, Georgiev. Not I a for, kind of forgot that he's a rookie. Well, whatever. He kind of counts. Eh, um, I would say Heedle. Howden is the best just from an expectation standpoint, but Howden and Heedle have to be up there. But Heedle is just magic. Yeah, Heedle um, is magic. But again, we were expecting we, good things from Heedle. We expected magic. We were getting magic. From Howden, I just expected... I wanted him to be like, oh, look, he can definitely do this fourth line role and he can be a little bit better than that. But he really looks like... Oh, this kid can be a second line center one day who can help carry a line. Like, again, it's early; it's just a couple games. But I'm talking the full picture of, you know, Traverse City and training camp and preseason. I it's really hard not to be very satisfied with what we've seen from Brett Howden, and it makes it all the more better because Nemesnikov's been so disappointing, and Howden has kind of helped take some of the bad taste away from that. Uh, that trade that sent McDonough and Miller to Tampa. Yeah. Phil. Phil. Phil Kosher. Koher? He writes for the site. I should get his name right. You brought him onto the site. I always yeah. was saying Coker. Coker? Hmm. What do you think of the idea of moving McQuaid to his offside to allow Danny Tony D'Angelo a permanent role on the right? I don't mind that. I just McQuaid is the guy that I think is most likely to sit to get D'Angelo into the lineup. So, I think that's the issue. Hmm. Do you hear my daughter just cackling upstairs? Yeah, she's yeah. She she loves for whatever reason bottles being made is like funny to her now. Because she knows she's getting her way. Yes, she's winning. She is winning. Yeah, that's a tough call. I don't know. Like I, uh, like I said, McQuaid hasn't been the problem. The problem was always with Gorton and the decision to acquire him. And it's really important for us not to judge a player based on, like, oh, he, you shouldn't be in the first place. I hate that you're here. Like, that's fine. But, like, when Adam McQuaid plays well, you can't just say, oh, you know, he's he's a waste. It's like when he's doing the job he was brought in to do, he should be commended for it. And I don't know. I feel like he's done what Quinn and the front office have expected him to do thus far. I'm not sure. Then again, D'Angelo is has been so good. I mean, I know that McQuaid has something of a history of being able to play on the left side, which is great, you know, a lot like Brendan Smith. But again, it all comes down to that game of musical chairs, Joe. If the Rangers are only going to roll with 60, if we move McQuaid to the left side, that means a guy who plays left side will come out of the lineup, right? And then who does that? Who is that? Is that, you know, who we take out of the lineup is my point. Yeah, uh, that that's the confusing part of all this. But there's really no wrong answer so long as it's not Pionk or, you know, Shattenkirk or Shea or Smith. 
even. Final question. But it's not going to be Mark Stahl. That's the problem. Well, it's not. Yeah, that is the problem. Sean, thought though we have a logjam of vets on defense, at what point do you think the front office says, screw it, and just pulls up some young gun from Hartford? I'm sure by the deadline, but could see it happening earlier. I can't see that happening, because who in Hartford do you want here? I couldn't even tell you the six defensemen in Hartford. Well, yeah, it's the Lindgren isn't ready, and that's fine. Rob O'Gara shouldn't be up here. Hayek, maybe? Chris Bigris is not is not here yet. I think it's Bigris. Is it Bigris? I think it is Bigris. In the preseason, I think I heard it as Bigris or Bigris. I can't like, remember. Sean Day is not ready. Yeah, Sean Day is not ready, and that's fine. Gilmore is a maybe, and then Hayek is the guy we'd probably most like to just reward him if he's playing well in Hartford. Like, if there's a bunch of injuries, he's the guy who would be like, all right, here's a cup of coffee, kid. Like, that's, that's the right way to go about it. But, um... And Gilmore, you know, he already has had that NHL experience. He's 25, and he's I think he's now transitioning in the minds of not just the front office, but also Rangers fans who are like, oh, he's a fun guy to watch. He can really skate. He's not a part of the future here. And that was kind of, that was written in stone once he had a very forgettable preseason, which included that awful turnover. And that's brutal that that's the way that shaked out. But the Rangers also added so many Young defenseman. So that just that's just kind of the breaks. Um, them's the breaks. Them's the breaks. Patreon.com slash blue for a while. Yeah. Sorry. Patreon.com slash blue shirt ballot. Ban- Starting over. Patreon.com slash blue shirt banter. Alex Gardner, Alexander Ricard, Armael Kissner, Andre Chicagoff, Anthony yes. Viola, Arch Williams, Bob Kawa, Chris B, Chris Habibi, Chuck Spidina. Oh, hi, Chuck. Did I get that right, Chuck? He's new. Dan Carosi, Daniel DeGen, Danny Santiago, David L. Singer, Eric Cohn, Fancy Lawrence, Gabriel Vargas, 50, Grumpy Smokey, Igor Zatlovsky, James Dangles, John Reppy, Keith Franchillo, Matt Bader, Guy from Montana, Michael Silvers, Mike Offit, Robert Courtney, Stink Fleeman, Tall Guy Robert, Thomas Osa, Trevor Kepner, and Zachary Zetlin. Thank you all for donating. I also want to say Eric Cohn always says nice things. He does. Eric Cohn is awesome. I like Eric Cohn. He's the man. Well, thank you all for listening. Have some asparagus, and uh, it's going to be a long season, but it's going to be okay. That's okay. Yeah, that's okay. We have each other, and that'll guide us through. We love you all. We'll be each other's life. We love the ones that donate to Patreon more. Patreon.com slash Blue Shirt Panther. Definitely love them more. Definitely love them more.